This week's episode is brought to you by More Cute Stories Volume 5, Animators and Imagineers Part 2. Listen to Rolly Crump tell some awesome new hilarious stories about the people he worked with. Some of them are not entirely political correct. That's okay, they're all hilarious. Check it out today on Amazon, iTunes, CD Baby, and more. Welcome to Season 3! Hello, and welcome to Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show and home of the world's first pair of independently born identical twins. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And I know we say this a lot, but I didn't prepare any banter this week, so I'm kind of at a loss of what to say right now. Really? I know, and it doesn't happen that often, because I usually talk a lot. Yeah, I mean, we usually spend the first at least minute and a half or so just kind of being silly and ridiculous. I know, but, I mean, sometimes... I mean, you can't just force it. It's got to happen naturally. Maybe? Possibly? I mean, it's... if Yeah, I guess this isn't Saturday Night Live. No, it isn't. And, they, I mean, all that stuff's written down anyway. They don't do a lot of improv on that show. I mean, we don't do a lot of improv on this show. Don't we? Why are we asking questions like that? I don't know. I don't it's, know. It's, it all goes back to Anchorman, too, I guess. That's, that's true. That's true. That's true. Okay, let's, huh? let's start the show. Hey George. What? You you know what time it is? Time to make the communicore donuts? Well, aside from that. It's oh, okay. Is haunt season. Oh, it man. has officially started. Aren't you excited? I know you're excited. Yes, it's I'm the most excited. wonderful time of the year. No, shouldn't it be the most scariest time of the year? We, I could do that, but I'm not clever on my feet like that, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> Obviously, from the banner at the beginning of the show, you're right. That is very yeah. true. <laughs> so, I officially kicked off my haunt season at Universal Studios Hollywood uh, Halloween Horror Nights uh, last weekend, and it was awesome. And you should have been there, George. I know how much you enjoy all that stuff. Yeah, I have problems watching scary commercials on TV. I know. One of these years, I'm going to get you to come out here to this stuff, and you're going to love it. You're going to love it. If you say so. All right. Well, I, I went as kind of like a, a special uh, group trip thing with uh, with a uh, mice chat. Our buddy Norm set it up, um, and you know he's a haunt guy too. So we yep. actually we got front of line passes for all the mazes, and we got to attend the Igor Awards, which this was the first mm. year ever that they were open to the public. That's um, clever. It is very clever, isn't it? They're, it is. they're, uh, they're given out to people who make some kind of contribution to horror in some way, and Universal uh, Hollywood does it every year. So uh, it was actually hosted by Mackenzie uh, Westmore from uh, Face Off on Sci-Fi, which mm-hmm. comes into play later. Uh, and this year they honored Greg Nicotero, uh, Robert Rodriguez, John Landis, and Slash, which... Kind of an he's odd scary choice. looking. He he contributed to one of the mazes this year, which is uh, why they gave him an Igor. Um, okay. 
but they had it was really cool because like the where we were i forgot I'm, I'm blanking on the stage we were at but it wasn't a very large room so we were pretty close to the stage so like robert rodriguez was one of those guys that like really influenced me as a kid to become yeah. a filmmaker so it was cool seeing him up close um the, uh, Danny Trejo presented, uh, Robert Kirkman presented, Chris Hardwick presented. You know we love Chris Ooh, Hardwick. Yes, we um, do. So it was cool to see them recognized for their work, and um, it was cool to see them up close and kind of like briefly chat with some of them after the award ceremony. So that was pretty neat. Um, and also, this is a total geek moment for me. I met the cast of the From Dust Till Dawn TV show uh, during dinner because they were awesome. You didn't watch that show, did you? You didn't even watch that movie, did you? It's too scary, too scary. I knew it. Well, I met Fez, uh, Wilmer Valderrama, because um, he was in the TV show. I know you've seen that 70s show, come on. Yeah. Yeah, he was wow. super nice. You mean Handy Manny? Yes, yes, okay. Handy okay. Mandy. <laughs> no, Manny, not Mandy. Oh, oh Manny, sorry, yes, <laughs> yes. But they Handy were cool. Mandy's his sister. Oh, it was his sister? No, I have Mandy? Yeah, don't listen, never mind. Go okay. ahead, move on, move along, move along. Okay, so... Let me talk a little bit about the uh, the actual, you know, mazes and stuff itself. The first thing we did was a terror tram, uh, and it took us down to a lower lot, and it simulated a walk to Terminus from The Walking Dead this past season. Um, it was really cool to walk through the Bates Motel set and the World of the World set and some of the other stuff and along the back roads. Um, and I had never done this before, but I heard it was a lot of the same as they did last year, and it didn't really scare me to be honest with you i mean yes there were people jumping out and zombies everywhere but the first really good scare of the night was actually after we got off the terror tram uh it brought us back up after we walked and we exited and we were walking to the other mazes and we're walking in this huge group of people along this path very small path and out of nowhere out of the bushes over a garbage can was one of the scare actors and he scared me <laughs> so bad I was actually texting on my phone, and to the monsters, that's like perfect uh, scare fodder. So he jumped out and he scared me, which was the first really good scare of the night. Awesome. And Terror Tram's a great name. It is a great name, isn't it? It's a great name. I really I'm, like I'm thinking that. Off the rails of the Terror, terror Tram. Tram. Maybe. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, anyway. <laughs> all right. So, so you got um, scared. I was you scared. You drop your phone, did you? No, I didn't, thankfully, because that would have been bad. Um, so aside from the mazes, they also have scare zones kind of scattered throughout it, and they had—they all had themes. So uh, one was based on the Purge Anarchy, which was really cool. Uh, they had one based on the Walking Dead, which you'll see is a theme, a lot of Walking Dead. Um, there was, uh, actually it was funny, we were walking through that, and I happened to look around a shipping container, and it must have been a break area, because I saw a zombie texting on his cell phone. Um, <laughs> so that was kind of bizarre. He was texting brains. He was texting brains. <laughs> Uh, what else was there? There was Masquerade, there was Skulls, and then there was Dark Christmas, which was my favorite scare zone. Uh, Norm and I probably spent like a good half hour in that small little scare zone just watching people get scared and taking pictures and stuff. It was really cool. Um, so the mazes. All the mazes were great, except for one. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. But th there's a reason for that. Uh, we went in the face-off maze first, which was really cool uh, to see some of the iconic uh, costumes and monsters from the show. They kind of brought them to life. And it was actually based in the old House of Horrors, which is uh, getting demolished very soon after the haunt season. Um, mm -hmm. So they put some kind of semi-permanent set pieces in there to change it to fit with the maze. So it was, it was pretty neat. It wasn't like a cohesive story, but it was fantastic. Um, the maze that was not good was uh, Dracula Untold which I thought should have been called Dracula Unseen because there was no Dracula and it was terrible. 
Um, well, that's that's a book Russell could write. It is Dracula a book Russell scene could unseen? write. Dracula scene unseen, especially in mirrors and this maze. <laughs> it clearly, clearly was a tie-in to the film that's coming out, um, and it was just yeah. not. It was really the only big disappointment that uh, I had. Yeah. Um, American Werewolf in London. You ever see that movie? Yes, that was a long time ago. A long Ooh. time ago. That was scary, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yes, it, it was. It was a great maze. I know they had it at Orlando last year, but it was super impressive here in Hollywood. Uh, some of the werewolf animatronic puppets, they, there had to be like seven or eight of them. They were huge, and they were impressive, and every single one scared me. It was wonderful. Um, <laughs> they did a really good job of recreating like a lot of the scenes from the film like really well, including the Nazi werewolf dream sequence and wow. the uh, the transformation into the werewolf. Uh, it was really cool to see it like come alive, and uh, I I thought it was pretty awesome. That that so, was some people were not impressed. I thought it was great. But you haven't heard anything about like a thriller maze? No, no thriller maze. Jackson if they made a John Landis thriller maze, that would have been the top of my <laughs> list. Um, they had a Walking Dead maze on top of everything else, end of the line, and it was cool to see parts of this past season come to life. That you know that we walked to the prison and how it was destroyed. Um, and then we walked through some town areas to get to Terminus. It was kind of short, actually, and it was, you know, it was okay. Um, Slashed provided the music for Clowns 3D, which, to be honest with you, I don't really like clowns, and I had very low expectations <laughs> for this maze to be. Um, and Norm hates clowns, too, but it totally blew me away. It was like this crazy, crazy fever dream. And it, it was in 3D. They made you wear these 3D glasses so the colors pop out at you. So it was even more visually impressive. Um, really good visuals, great scares. Uh, they, use, they use smell a lot in, in the maze, which actually set up some really good smell-based jokes later on in the maze. Um, <laughs> and it was the only one we actually went through twice. So that wow. is, that's saying something. It was pretty cool. Um, the clowns. Yeah, clowns, clowns wow. 3D, highly recommend. Okay. Um, From Dust Till Dawn was my second favorite maze of the evening because I love the film, uh, I love the TV show, and it was really cool to see it in person. Uh, it, it was pretty much uh, spot on, um, especially the very first room when you walk into uh, the Twister, which is the family-friendly name of the bar from the movie and the TV show. <laughs> um, they had Santanico Pandemonium performing on stage with the snake, and let me tell you, if I could have sat there at the bar the entire time and watched that, I would have say no more um I, I really i don't care if she's a snake vampire stripper i'm totally in love she was okay she was great uh really fine. good scares really great recreations of some of the scenes from the show and they also had really good use of smell also uh, but by far the best maze of the evening which kind of surprised me because i wasn't expecting most anything out of it was alien versus predator um mm. it was unbelievable uh, the alien puppets were amazing. The people in the Predator uh, costumes were incredible. There was a really great coherent story. Um, I actually, I watched a walkthrough of the one in Orlando they have this year, and there was no story. It's completely different than the one we have. Uh, basically, a Predator ship crash lands, and they must have been holding alien face huggers because they escape and they kill a predator and then they get loose in the town and the predators are hunting them in the town and you go through a house where the aliens took over and i'm telling you some of the best scares and horror movie scenes i have ever seen in my entire life came out of that maze so kudos <laughs> to the alien versus predator uh, maze designers because man oh man that maze was awesome <laughs> and and most of these haunts are going to take place then through the uh, 
I guess, the end of October? Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, some of them even run into the first weekend of November as well. Um, okay. I pretty much have a haunt on my agenda for every weekend from now until uh, the first weekend of November. I'm doing wow. something. Because it's haunt season, baby, and I love it, and you're going to come out next year for it. I, I think you should do that. Sure, if um, we get enough cadets to send in all their nickels, right? Yeah, unicorn nickels. We have, to say, we have to mention their names, though. Well, uh, if you have any thoughts on the haunts, or you have a good recommendation for Jeff specifically, um, or a baby haunt for me. Oh, that sounded kind of bad, like a baby haunt. No, no, no. Because uh, yeah, George can't even handle a baby haunt. No, no. What about a newbie haunt? A newbie haunt? Sure. Maybe, something like that. So The you know, rattle's any... coming from inside the crib. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, call us on the Communicore Weekly Goat Line at 424-785-4628. That's 424-785-GOAT. We'd love to hear about your favorite scare experience. It's wonderful time of the year. Boo. You don't know what you know till we know you. You just don't know. Here's one little fact we bet you didn't. One little fact we bet you didn't know. In the fall of 1972, Disney discovered that they needed to refurbish the Contemporary Hotel because the carpet and other material didn't quite stand up to the incredibly high occupancy rate that they were experiencing. Emil Curie, studio art director, designed new carpeting and drapes and a new color scheme of blue, purple, and green. They also used vinyl wallpaper to make it easier to clean. This was also when the giant mural of the Magic Kingdom and the Vacation Kingdom of the World were first installed. They refurbished 500 rooms a year, so the entire contemporary resort was updated by 1975. Now we know you. He's a nerd, he's a geek, but we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his speech. It's George's Book of the Week. This week's book is Hook's Revenge by Heidi Schultz. Um, you know, after reading the very exciting and very well-written Peter and the Starcatcher series, I wasn't sure what to expect when Hook's Revenge showed up. Um, you know, sort of based on the cover, it was, it was really cartoony. Uh, it looked like it might be a pretty rambunctious kids book, you know, like a Lemony Snicket series. And, and I mean that in a nice way. But when I read the blurb on the inside cover, I was very intrigued and happy to dive into the book. But, you know, I was thinking as I started, do we really need another take on the Peter Pan story? Do you we know? really need do another we need take? another one? I know uh, our friend Estelle from uh, the, uh, This Happy Place blog, she has been telling me about this book for a while. So I was very intrigued when uh, it showed up on my door as well. Uh, she wouldn't tell me anything about it. I don't actually think she read it yet. I just think she had been hearing a lot of chatter about it in her circles. Oh. Um, but... I, again, like George said, I was kind of doubting if we needed another Peter Pan uh, retelling, but yeah. I was extremely and pleasantly surprised by how well done the book was. Yeah, you know, like Estelle, we won't say much, but we did read it. Um, it is the story of Jocelyn Hook, Captain James Hook's, James Hook's, different <laughs> Hook, obviously, no. Captain Jane Hook. Hook's, yeah, go figure. Um, his orphan daughter. Uh, she knows that she's destined for something greater, and, and she's really waiting for her father to come rescue her. The The book is uh, really written for middle schoolers, but that didn't stop me from enjoying it at all. It was very humorous and very quirky, and I liked that. 
a lot. We like quirky because we're quirky. We're quirky. We're totally so, quirky. Communicore quirky? Sure. Why not? Okay. To, right. to jump back on your earlier point about it being a retelling of Peter Pan, I think that was the book's biggest strength is that it wasn't a retelling of Peter Pan. Yes. It was like a brand new story that happens after the fact, and it dealt with the daughter of a very notorious villain in literature, mm-hmm. and it was fantastic. It was quick. It was witty. And I really liked how Peter was kind of treated as more of an afterthought almost and uh, actually shown to be kind of a jerk because <laughs> I always thought he was kind of a jerk in a lot of ways. It was perfect. Yes, it was. There were several times when he called Jocelyn just girl and wanted to save her. No, no, she did not need saving. So This girl does not need saving. She does not need saving. So one of the more interesting surprises for the book uh, to me was the narrator. Uh he only, I'm, I'm using the term he just in a general term. We really don't know. Even though the narrator only shows up at the beginning and sometimes the ending of the chapter, he brought a little bit of menace to the book. Uh, he didn't like us. He didn't want to tell us But I didn't story. do anything to him. <laughs> um, the, the, the story moves really quickly, as Jeff mentioned, which is great. Very few dull spots at all. Uh, Heidi, the author, she has a really great feel for for what will keep the reader's attention, but she never really sacrifices the characters for the story, which was nice. She really developed a lot of these characters, including some of the pirates. Uh, And there were some unexpected moments that I didn't see coming, which I guess defines an unexpected moment. That is an, uh, that you basically said it was an unexpected moment. it was unexpected. And I didn't see it coming, so yeah. So double negative, you did see an unexpected moment coming? (laughs) I'm not sure. Um, yeah, but the narrator really, I think that's where we can kind of compare it to the Lemony Snicket series as, as well mm-hmm. again, because it definitely gave it that vibe, which wasn't a, a bad thing whatsoever. I thought it was a very interesting uh, narrative storytelling uh, technique. And uh, it was it was an interesting touch. Um, but like George said, it was, it was definitely packed with a lot of interesting turns that I did not see coming. Uh, and it, it had some few a few new takes on the island of Neverland, which yeah, never really true. occurred to me before, which I was that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I I'm excited to see where Heidi takes the characters next if she writes an eventual second second book. I'm assuming she is since this was essentially said book, book one. one. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, I thought I thought Hook's daughter was a great protagonist. Yeah, yeah, it was a nice take. I mean, it, 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 at first I was a little worried that oh, this is like Harry Potter. You've got an orphan that feels they're destined for greatness and trials and tribulations. But the story went off on a kind of neat arc that I wasn't really expecting with her really taking on the role of a pirate and trying to take on her father's namesake and, and legacy and, and legacy. That's how even she better. does yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with some of the unexpected turns that I didn't see coming. Um, <laughs> I just, <laughs> I was like, did I just say that? Okay. That's my Austin Powers quote. Uh, but yeah, I liked it. Uh, even though it is a middle school age book, I still thought it was a lot of fun. You know, pick it up at, at your local library or buy a copy if you've got a little one rolling around. I think they'll enjoy it. Um, this week's book was Hook's Revenge, book one by Heidi Schultz. Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. The storyline of Dinosaur at my favorite full-day park, Animal Kingdom, focuses on guests traveling back in time to retrieve an iguanodon. That's awesome. I want to go back in time to get a dinosaur. 
<laughs> so anyway, the Dino Institute is actually just a small building in the story, of course, where the ride itself is actually hidden behind it. So just how do they hide the show building? By using a trick that they first used when It's a Small World came to Disneyland after the World's Fair. So as the story goes, some guy named Rolly Crump and Fred Jurger placed trees on top of the model of the building just to get them out of the way. But when Walt saw it, he thought they did it to help disguise the show building and he loved the idea. So, much like It's a Small World, they place trees on top of the Dino Institute to make the building appear much smaller than it actually is. So when you're looking at it from the front, the trees appear to be approaching from behind the building instead of actually being placed on top of it, so it definitely looks much, much smaller. And you don't realize that there's an entire show building back there for such a wonderful ride in a wonderful theme park. Uh, I was going to say, sort of like the trees we have on top of Communicore Weekly. Yes. We so are smaller than we appear in a mirror. What? I think. Are I'm confused sure? now. I don't know where I was going with that one. I mean, because we have a pretty big show building. We do have a show. It. We do have a big show building. Yeah. Because that's what we heard. You know, people like that. I, I am so confused by the direction of this conversation right now. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's, wow, this is just one of those shows. Please, you know, write in and tell us what you think. No, <laughs> just kidding. Wow. All right. Well, I, I'm going to go ahead and end the show right now before we get in any more trouble with anything else. So uh, thank you guys so much for watching and listening to another episode. Yes, please leave us a comment. Give us a rating on iTunes. We love to hear from you guys. Yes. Tell us how many stars. Nine stars. Nine stars. Nine stars. Okay. You can always email us at communicorweekly at gmail.com. And of course, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash communicorweekly. So you can do show building Saturday? Show buildings. We don't have a Saturday. That's a good yeah, one. Show building. Show building Saturday. Nice. Right. That may that may happen buildings. now. Awesome. So something good at least came out of this episode. Now one thing. One, one singular thing. thing. Okay. So while you're waiting for show uh, show building Saturday to show up, blah, blah, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Imagine Nerding and he's at Jeff Heimbuck. And of course, give us a call on the Communicate Weekly Goat Line at four two four seven eight five. Four six two eight. That's four two four seventy five. Goat. Yes, it's clever, isn't it? It's very clever, very clever. And don't forget to pick up your copy of Communicore the Weekly, Communicore Weekly the Musical. Oh man, find out we're terrible. We are, we are. But you got to find out what happened to the squirrels. And you can listen to it for free on Spotify, Google Play, or pick up your copy on Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby. And of course, visit the Communicore Weekly Communa Store. Go to CommunicoreWeekly.com, click on the store button, all sorts of cool stuff for you to buy. Shirts, other stuff, music, do it up. In a big way. So, uh, for Jeff Heimbuck, I'm George Taylor. And for George Taylor, I'm Jeff Heimbuck. Thanks so much for listening this week, guys and gals. This one kind of went off the rails. But we'll <laughs> see you next time on Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show. <laughs> <laughs>